Hi, I'm Dr. Mallory Fox, and you're listening to What's the Lesson? You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast that inspires girls and those that love them to grow in their knowledge, skills, and abilities while working towards becoming the most confident version of themselves. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, once corporate leaders and entrepreneurs turned confidence coaches who are obsessed with raising the next generation of female leaders. We're the founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. We're here to give them the tools to be resilient, problem solvers, and to simply be good people. Everything we wish we had access to at their age. We'll be sitting down with versatile guests to talk about things like how to manage expectations, bounce back from failure, even strategies to break up with a toxic relationship. We want this community to lift one another up. So starting right now, you get to practice reaching your hand back and bringing other girls along for the ride. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are so excited because we have one of our most favorite people on the show with us today. And we're going to say that a lot, I feel like, because we have a lot of favorite people, but this relationship spans time, place, one of our favorite, favorite people for a lot of different reasons in which you'll discover in this episode. Absolutely. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Mallory Fox. We are so excited to talk to you today. We're so honored also for you to be a guest on our show. Thank you so much for having me. And I just feel honored to be on the list of one of your favorite people (laughs) because both of you are some of my very favorite people in the world. So thank you. Of course. Well, and it's funny because Mary and I have known Mallory for far beyond us starting Girls Mentorship. Mallory and I go back a decade ago when she shopped at Lululemon when I was once a store manager. So our (laughs) friendship was built, I'd say, based off of stretchy pants. The love of stretchy pants. (laughs) I think you'll also find that that's a theme around the What's the Lesson podcast is so many people that we've met have come from our relationship through a job we used to have, Mm -hmm. job love around Lululemon. So our our love of stretchy pants stretches far beyond (laughs) what we've done with Girls Mentorship. And that's that's been really cool because it's been like such a fabric builder for us. I'm no pun intended with all of the (laughs) the references to pants here, but it's like the quilt of who we are. And a lot of people came from that community, Mallory being one of the biggest ones as far as like somebody who's just endlessly supported who we are as well as what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, Our latest is with Girls Mentorship. And it just goes to show you that Friendships can come from anywhere at any point in time as long as you're open to them and they can last. I totally agree. And before we turn it over to her to really share her journey and her story, what I really wanted wanted to acknowledge really is your personal growth and development over the last decade. So I knew you when you were going, you were getting your, your doctorate. You were going to school, and not only have you accomplished so much professionally, but also personally. I've seen you really connect with yoga and the yoga philosophy and pour yourself into growing 
your your mind, your body, your spirit, and then you find your your partner in this and watching you grow in your relationship and continue to be a stand for our Phoenix and Arizona community has been the most beautiful to watch because I too have felt like I've really grown over the last 10 years. So why I feel like our friendship has stayed so tried and true is because we've both been doing the work. 100%. I have, I have chills right now. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. And I would love for you to kind of take us, because we'll get into what we're going to be talking about today, but you have this beautiful story of where you've been and where you are, which kind of leads us to what we're going to be talking today. And I guess I'll just tease it up now. It's, you know, I don't want to be like, hey, here's the present, but you can't open it <laughs> right now. <laughs> so I'll tease what we're going to be talking about, but we would love to hear where you've been to getting you to this place. So the conversation that we want to generate, and we'll, we'll share a little bit more of the backstory is how to love yourself for who you are right now, despite where you think, and I put think in quotes, you should be. That deeply resonated with Mary and I because we've been, we've been there in some way, shape, or form. So before we get into that and why we're here today, tell us a little bit more about you. Oh, well, first, I just want to say thank you to both of you. And I'm sitting here and I get to look at your faces. And this is such a dream come true. And it's something that 10 years ago, when we first met Jill, I never would have thought would happen. I um, so I, I just totally want to acknowledge, <laughs> I just want to acknowledge that. And anyone listening, who I used to be was, I was good at achieving, but I wasn't good at dreaming. And being on this podcast with the two of you is a dream come true. In the past, I might have looked at it as, you know, an achievement or something to like check off of my list. So it's really cool to see that shift from achieving and being, you know, run by checking off items on my to-do list to really just being a part of that experience. So I just want to acknowledge that first. And hopefully, if you don't understand what I'm saying, anyone who's listening, just kind of stick around for the rest of the conversation. I think it'll make sense. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> But when I met you, Jill, and then Mary, I met you a few years later, also at Lululemon, um, <laughs> across the cash register, the which mother, was the mothership. Of yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think I can trace all of my significant relationships to Lululemon in some form. You know, when I think back to when I first met both of you, I was a completely different person. You know, when I met you, Jill, I was in grad school. I owned my own business. I was constantly working to be good enough in my life, in my business. And so I pursued a lot of achievements that I thought would make me feel good enough. And that worked for a little while, but it was also a really hard way to live. You know, I look back and I think everything that got me to where I am today, I'm grateful for because it's made me who I am today. And I also look back at my younger self and I'm like, oh, I just wish at the time I'd known that I could love myself the way that I was without having to achieve and without having to be more. We, I mean, we mentor girls. So the point girls mentorship of that is we deal with a lot of the same like perfectionism mm -hmm. needing to achieve. If you can look back now and tell us 
one or two places where you feel like that came from. So some of the girls listening in could relate to where that's coming from in their life right now and maybe be able to create separation from it. I think that would be really helpful. Yeah, I'll definitely try. Um, and that's helpful. So thanks for saying that. Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing that pops into my head is my body, what I looked like, mm-hmm. what size clothing I wore, how strong physically I was. I was a competitive swimmer all through high school. And so, you know, how fast I could perform in the swimming pool. Those are all things that were, I think, really relevant to women at any age. (laughs) Um, And and at whatever stage, we're always trying to be prettier or um, be more accepted for how we look. And I would say that's like the number one, you know, my my journey with my body, what it can do, um, how it looks. I would say that's probably the number one Mm -hmm. area that I was constantly chasing how to improve, how to be better, how to be smaller, how to be stronger. I I was just going to say really quickly before you continue is that still is the case. Like you as your teenage self and having that, that challenge is still the challenge today that we see on a daily basis with the girls that we encounter. And even us as, as grown women, we've gone through that as well. So it'll be interesting to hear how you've overcome that or how you've accepted that. Are working working. on overcoming because it's a daily struggle. Mm -hmm. And we know that for sure, which is how we relate to the girls that we once were now in making sure that they know that they're not alone in their struggles to overcome body image, negative body image. You said something about getting smaller. I think that's figurative and literal, Mm -hmm. fitting into somebody else's box of who we should be and what we should look like. And I'd almost venture on to say that the obsession with body image, is that something that led you to go to be a doctor of physical therapy? It definitely is. Yes. I'm laughing because all of these things I mentioned, you know, they led me to the life that I have now. They led me to a career in health and fitness. They led me to my favorite clothing brand, Lululemon, which led me to both of you. So, you know, this way that I grew up and, you know, I can think back all the way back to being maybe four years old and seeing my mom step onto a scale. Like this thing I have about my body is so old. Like it's been with me probably, I'm 35 years old. It's probably been with me for 33, 34 years. Yeah. And so it led me to where I am today. And it's something, Mary, you mentioned, it's maybe a lifelong journey. I think it'll be that for me of continuing to accept myself and love myself the way that I am. But it's also interesting how it's created who I am today mm-hmm. as well. Well, and using that for good, like mm-hmm. you as opposed to it stopping you from moving forward, it's allowed you to almost use it as a springboard. Yeah, you didn't, there were certain things younger that you didn't necessarily love or you wanted to look a certain way or be a a certain way. But what's cool is that you have taken that as a stepping stone. But it didn't come without what you mentioned earlier, and that's being in the work. So mm-hmm. the self-awareness has mm-hmm. become heightened and sharpened and better throughout your years in order for you to say, this is how I looked at it 
during this chapter of my life and this is how I'm actively looking at it now and this is how I'd like to look at it moving forward. Without self-awareness, we don't get to see how those things have changed or transpired for us to lead us to using it for good and doing Mm -hmm. the work. Mm Because if you didn't do the work, who knows where you'd be? You might not have that awareness. Yeah, totally. And it's so interesting. So I can pinpoint exactly when it was that I had that self-awareness, like almost that lightning strike, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> okay. When was that? So that was um, just about three years ago. So the old Now me- we're going to get into <laughs> what yeah. up. So the old you. Yeah. yeah, the old me three years ago, um, August of 2018. I had graduated from grad school. I had, you know, now been in business for I think six years, had a really successful business. I'd met, you know, the love of my life. We had this great community. I'd become a Lululemon ambassador. You know, really everything had lined up. I was right on the verge of finalizing a huge deal with Major League Baseball. Basically everything I felt in my life had led up to this point. Like I'd finally made it. All those to-do list checkoffs, mm-hmm. the achiever in you yes. was like, yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'll say this too, because I want to pull back the curtain a little bit. My life looked like it was, I was at the ultimate peak, the best it could ever be. And yet deep down, I was terrified. Mm. I was really worried it was all going to be taken away. I was really stressed out. Like, can I even do this? Am I capable? I was, you know, having like even panic attacks before I'd go into a big meeting. Like I was filled with doubt. I was filled with um, shame. I was, I was still filled with all of the things that I dealt with my whole life. Having these achievements didn't make me happy. Having these achievements did not make me feel good enough. And I just want to be really clear about that before we dive into the story, because Mm -hmm. to the, everyone on the outside, it looked like I was, you know, killing it, happy and amazing. Yes. Living your best life. Exactly. And I would tell people that too, but deep down, I still had this, like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I not happy? I've achieved all these things. Why do I still not believe in myself? So that's everything that was going on under the surface that I'd gotten so good at hiding that I'd gotten just so good at, you know, not even acknowledging to myself every day. So that's, That's what was going on that other people could not see. Yeah. And the fact that you were able to operate operate on a daily basis. Wake up every day with all of that and continue to achieve and strive and reach. But things come to a head. And how they come to a head is going to be individual to the individual, right? It's going to happen in different ways for everybody. And... I think that's where the story takes a turn because it did come to a head for you in probably one of the least expected ways ever imaginable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it's so interesting. I love that you said that because, you know, for me, it was a car accident. Spoiler alert. I was in a car accident on my way from teaching yoga at my husband's military base to my office to work for the day. And for other people, it might be um, not getting into the right school. I put that in quotes, but that might be the breaking point for some of your listeners. You know, it might be the end of a relationship. It might be um, not making a cheerleading squad or having some other huge thing 
devastate you. I did not know how to fail at the time. You know, I'd never failed. I would bounce out before failure happened. Like I um, tried dance for a little while and I'm not, I was not good at dancing. And so rather than learn how to get better, I was like, oh, this isn't for me. I don't have time. And I picked up and found something that I was good at. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for anyone listening, like, you know, it, it might be something small that happens that causes this shift in your life. And it might be something bigger. And we each have our own journey. So for me, and I mentioned it was a car accident. I was driving to work. I was at a red light and I saw someone coming at me quickly in my rear view mirror and I was rear-ended. At the time, I didn't know that I was going to lose my eyesight in my left eye. I didn't know that I was going to have a traumatic brain injury. I didn't know that I'd have to relearn how to do a lot of physical things. I didn't, I didn't know any of this time in that split second between seeing the car and having it hit me. I thought to myself, I don't have time for this today. Mm. Because you had to, you had things <laughs> you, to do. Well, and you had someone waiting. You had things to do. Yeah. Someone is scheduled to get be on my done. table yeah. at 2 p.m. I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so with that happening, you mentioned failure. Not that that was your fault or it was a failed attempt at something, but in that moment, in all of the things that happened after that moment, it did make you stop. It forced you to stop achieving because you were no longer able to. So at the time, I could imagine putting myself in your shoes that that was very difficult for you to comprehend. However, the name of this podcast is What's the Lesson? Mm -hmm. So in your car accident, over the last three years of having to relearn and shift your priorities and depend on other people, What's been your biggest lesson from that? And what's been the like the biggest gift from it? Because our girls need to know that A, it's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. B, it's okay to depend on other people. And C, life doesn't end when devastation happens. Sometimes that's where life begins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is such a good question. And the biggest lesson in it for me and still today is that I need to choose to accept myself every single day, Mm -hmm. regardless of what I look like, regardless of what I can physically do, regardless of how other people see me. I have to choose, like my life depends on me choosing every single day to accept myself for who I am that day. Mm. I am getting goosebumps because we coach on this so much. And it's beautiful to hear that you're 35 and you are still in the practice of this. And we're teaching girls who are 11, 12, all the way up to 18, the same concept. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes we define our day based off of maybe other people's expectations or fitting in or wanting to be popular or be the best at things. And when we don't, live up to those expectations, 
we then consider it a bad day. And we internalize it as a failure. And we're not saying, obviously, that it's an easy thing to do. I'm assuming you have to be very intentional about your day-to-day choosing you and to love you where you're at, despite having a bad eyesight day or a day where you can't remember anything based on your traumatic brain injury. That has to be really difficult. So the intentionality that you have to put behind loving yourself, I think is the biggest point to get across Mm -hmm. because it doesn't just happen on a whim, regardless of if you have an injury or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I really went through about four months of fighting that. Mm -hmm. So even after these things happened to me, I still woke up every day with the, I'm going to just be, you know, an achiever in this recovery process, you know, crossing off physical therapy, crossing off vision therapy, crossing off occupational therapy, speech therapy, neurologist visits, all of these things. And I, for about four months, I drove myself so hard because that was the only way I knew to be, you know, I'd gotten through hard things in my life before this accident. And I thought, I'm just going to approach it with that same exact attitude and I'll be back to myself you know, tomorrow morning. And so it took those four really challenging, painful months of it not working for me to realize I have no control over if my brain heals. I have no control over if my eyesight comes Mm -hmm. back. And for a control freak, that is the scariest thing to realize. It really kind of shook my core belief of who I was and what, you know, hard work ethic could, could get me. So I came to the, the lowest point in my life where that shift happened, where I realized I don't have control over these external factors. The only thing I have control over is what I choose to do every day. And I was so hard on myself before my accident. You know, I'd never, I hadn't gotten to where I was by being my best cheerleader or <laughs> complimenting myself when mm-hmm. things were hard. I got through it by being really harsh mm-hmm. to myself. Yeah. And I wasn't even always aware how hard I was on myself. You know, the nights I'd stay up all night studying to get an A plus on a test, like those were the things that drove me. It was this underlying voice saying, you better not mess this up. Mm-hmm. Like do whatever you have to do to get the result that looks good on paper for you and other people to see. Mm. And that worked against me in my recovery from the brain injury and everything else. Yeah. You know, I, I got to this point, the lightning bolt struck and I was like, if I continue on this path, I'm not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I like to call that your winning formula. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our winning formula is not what's going to serve us. It's not going to serve our best self. It gets us by and we can accomplish a lot by doing and being this way. And when you have that lightning bolt moment of self-awareness, the self-realization that like, I can't continue life like this anymore, I need to try on a new way of being. And so that's what you're choosing every day is you get to choose you, whether it's going to be Mallory who shows up in this bright light and vivacious one day, or if it's Mal who is really struggling because 
of what's happened to you with your TBI. So it's interesting that our winning formula doesn't always serve us. And that's where you have to, and you've done the work to realize that it actually isn't healthy when you, you know, drive yourself into the ground and you have no choice then but to be something else because it's not healthy. So for you, what does healthy look like now? Oh, I love that question. So I would say that healthy is more of a feeling for me because I used to judge health by how I looked. Mm -hmm. And Body so, amen. <laughs> it is. Yeah. As much as things change from when we were in middle school, high school to mm -hmm. now, they stay so the same. Mm -hmm. They stay so the same. And body image is probably even more prevalent given the fact that social media is so much more prevalent in today's mm -hmm. day and age than it ever has been before. And like Jill said earlier, it's such a big focal point for the girls that we mentor. And it's like, dang, girl. We would love to zoom your life out to when you're our age to when it doesn't matter as much. It's still top of mind. But man, just to give a little less in the cares department, it's going to feel so freeing for you to do that. Mm -hmm. So more of a feeling. Please continue. Yeah. Um, for me, my like health is a state of mind. Ooh. It's mind, body, and soul for me. So what that might look like is practicing mindfulness to first off notice what's going on. Because when I was unhealthy, I would do everything I could to drown out how I was actually doing. If I was tired, I would drink caffeine. If I was stressed out, I would work until I dropped and then, you know, watch some shows on Netflix to zone out. Those were some of the coping mechanisms that I used to stop myself from noticing what was happening in my body, in my mind, and in my soul. So the first thing for me is just tuning in, mm. you know, taking a moment to notice how am I today? Totally. <laughs> that was never a question I asked before because it, you know, I didn't care. It didn't matter to me how I was really doing. It was like, suck it up, move on. Yeah. And get you know, after keep, it. Keep well, going. That's such a a standard of the way we operate day to day yes. as a as a society. It's mm -hmm. like yes. everyone we come in contact with, it's the question, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? And it's like, are you really good? You don't ever answer that question honestly because you don't necessarily think the person who's asking it wants to know. It's just such a casualty mm -hmm. in conversation these days where it's like, if we actually started answering that question with honesty, we might have a little bit more empathy and sympathy for each other as human beings, which I think is integral to showcase yeah. the younger generation. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important. And like with anything else, like I know that that work starts with me. So I can't ask you, Mary, or you, Jill, like how you are and really care until I've asked myself that. It might sound kind of funny, but until we start to develop, until I've started to develop that self-compassion, it's been really hard for me to have the space to hold that for others to also share. So that's yeah. the first thing I do every day. I wake myself up. I change the label on my alarm and it says, how are you? <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> and um, that was something I, I had to do when I 
was in the really rough stages of my recovery from the brain injury, because how I felt when I woke up had to change the course of my day. But it's something that's been such a helpful habit to get into for me to just start each day with, how am I really doing? Mm -hmm. Because who, who is there to judge you when you first wake up in the morning? You, my, you know what I mean. It's like, and my, this is and my you dogs. Really do yeah, your yeah. dogs? Your dogs like, mom, we're hungry, and I have to pee. Let me out. I'm judging you for but, sleeping in. But a, a yeah. beautiful practice to get in the habit of is that no one's like your boss isn't there. Mm-hmm. Your partner might be there, but he might be sleeping or making coffee. Right? It's like you have no one to impress, but you. And the more that you can get honest with where you are. That's where you get to choose who you want to be for that day. Yeah. Easy. Do you want to get up and go? Because you're like, oh, I got eight hours of sleep and I feel great. So I love that. What else do you do after that? So in the beginning, when I first started that habit, it was really challenging because I get caught up in what I was noticing. So I'll just walk you through. I'll be really like vulnerable and honest here (laughs) because it might help people kind of understand. Yeah. So I'd wake up and I would say, I feel like insert four little letter word here. (laughs) (laughs) Like I wouldn't feel good. And that would sometimes really take me down. Like I would feel shame. Why am I not better yet? I would feel disappointment. I would feel fear. Am I going to be able to get the things done today that I need to do? So it was not an easy process to start. Mm-hmm. So I want to be really clear about that. Like when you start to change habits, when you start to change mindset, it is hard work. There's a lot of resistance in it. We're just so used yeah. to going through the motions from a place of who we used to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah. going through habitual stuff mm-hmm. is easy because we don't then have to think about it. So right. to revert yeah. to just glazing over it and continuing on with our day is taking the easy path rather than really delving in. So love that share because it is hard and it takes a lot of hard work. Well, and when it's, when it's easy, it's easy. And when it's hard, you want to quit. So, or when you're, when you're up against fear and limiting beliefs and self-doubt, that's where you're like, Yeah. No, it's just easier the way that I've been operating. I'm going to go back to my old ways of being. Yes. But for you to be okay of like, okay, I am, I'm, I'm experiencing a lot of shame right now. And like, like Sit in sitting it. in it. Yeah. To then move through it. That's the work. That's the hard work. Yeah. And that's what mindfulness has really helped me with because, you know, mindfulness is about noticing what's present and not judging it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was very judgmental of myself, my circumstances, my thoughts, my feelings. I shouldn't feel that way. I should feel lucky. I should feel grateful. You know, all of those shoulds. So what I do now is, you know, I have like affirmations near my bed so that when I wake up and I start to go into that spiral of, oh my gosh, can I get through what I need to do today? You know, I have affirmations right there to help me recenter and help me like, get back on track before I take that roller coaster of how I used yes. to be. Yes. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to hop on that ride today. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is who I say I am. And this is who, I, who I'm yeah. choosing to be today. I am yeah. this. I am, I am strong. I am capable. I am open. 
Yeah. Like one of mine right now is I'm, my health is more important than my to-do list. Ooh. And I, I have to say that to myself probably 20 times a day. Yeah. You probably say it even more than that. You just don't even realize it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, and for the moms listening, parents listening, please. Your child's health is more important than their to-do list. We experience that a lot with grades. Mm -hmm. It's an A or it's the highway. And it's like, well, is it? Because what are they dealing with internally that is not allowing them to focus in class? And can we address that issue before we address the fact that they need to get an A? Mm -hmm. And I love that you said that to the parents listening. Like, that's how I was raised. And it's hard to, like, I know that parents want what's best for their children. And I believe that my parents believed that, you know, if I got straight A's and I, you know, swam competitively and I, you know, had piano and voice and all of these other privileges, if I did all of these things, I'd have a really great life. And I do have a really great life. And it also created this um, inner monster that pushed me to some really, really unhealthy habits. Yeah. I love that you said that. Because you're right, your parents, probably in hindsight, were giving you opportunities. Yeah. But they didn't necessarily have the tools to really check themselves. Like, am I pushing too much? Or what are we really instilling in her? So that when she gets older and she's on her own, is it going to serve her in her life? Or is it actually going to hold her back? And so there's been instances for you where you've noticed that it's held you back. And I think really just to tie a bow on this conversation, like you may not have seen it as a gift or a lesson in the time frame that it happened, but the fact that life stopped for you the instant you got into a car accident has been a gift and a lesson for every single person you've come in contact with since. Because Jill talked about how she's seen you grow over the last 10 years. I came on a little later. I've seen you grow more in the last three years than I did the two years prior to that in knowing you as a Lululemon ambassador just from the day to day. Your story of being able to A, love yourself through it, chuck the to-do list, love yourself more now as you are has affected and impacted so many people since then because of your vulnerability and your ability to jump on a stage and share to jump on a podcast and share because we don't learn lessons if we keep them to ourselves and i'd imagine that you have learned just as many lessons about how it's impacted not only yourself but others through your ability to share about it so thank you for continuing to take a stand for people who are going through a hard time with something that they didn't necessarily bring on themselves and haven't had the confidence or the voice to voice that to other people they've been able to see themselves in you and take confidence from you and take steps forward by listening and learning from you thank you for all of that like it's I'll be honest, it's really scary to, to share this stuff, right? Like my whole life, I avoided sharing anything that wasn't pretty. And I'm sure that, you know, in this day of social media, anyone listening can relate to that. We don't share the bad. We don't share the ugly. 
And so the reason that I'm able to give that gift to other people of being honest and vulnerable is because other people gave me that gift. My encouragement, anyone listening to start with just being honest with yourself, start first, like be honest with yourself and then, um, be honest with someone that you trust, someone who, you know, is going to hear what you're sharing and give you that space to just be open and vulnerable. I am grabbing a hold of that so deeply because that's what Mary and I really try to instill instill Mm -hmm. and be the example for and be the space for girls because it's hard. It's hard to be a teenager in this crazy digital world, this digital age. And you're right. Like where all of these different masks, like I have to show up this way and I have to act this way. And for us to create a space for them to say, you can be who you want to be today. And we want you to show up as you. And when we can share that, like from our experiences, I mean, the walls come down and the honesty comes out. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's where we get to then guide them through that experience so that they can learn something for the next time that they come up against resistance resistance themselves Mm -hmm. other people's expectations so again your story is contributing to somebody else's growth by showing up for us Mm -hmm. and being in this space with us to just be vulnerable. So thank you for taking time today to share that with our audience. We know there's going to be a lot of valuable takeaways from this conversation. Yeah. And thank you both so much for the work that you do. I've said this probably hundreds of times, but I wish that I had the girls mentorship when I was a teenager because who knows who I'd be if I had had people who gave me that space you know, to learn the lessons and to be myself. And so anyone listening, like this is the greatest investment you can possibly make in, in yourself, in your kids is to just be a part of this work. We don't get there alone. Mm-hmm. I was the queen of doing things on my own before life stopped me in my tracks. And I wouldn't be where I am today without you, Jill, and you, Mary, and the other people who are here in this work together. Like this is my safe space and that's why I'm able to share and and grow. So the work that you both do is so important and it's, it's such an honor to be a part of it with you. So thank you for having me today. Well, of course, before we sign off, where can, I mean, people are now going to be like, we're obsessed with her and (laughs) we need to know where we can find her. So where do you currently reside the reside most? Reside on the interweb. <laughs> um, Instagram. I'm at Dr. Foxy Fit. That's D-R-F-O-X-Y-F-I-T. I spend a lot of time on there. And then um, my favorite way to interact with people is in my mindful text messaging club. So if you're in the US or Canada, just text the word mindful to 480-531. 9810 and you'll get added to my text message list. I send out a one minute mindfulness prompt every day. When I first started mindfulness, I was terrible at it. I couldn't 
do an hour yoga class. I couldn't do a five minute meditation. My mind would just keep going and going and going. The reason I created the one minute mindfulness prompts is, you know, if you can just do one minute of mindfulness a day, it will help you to tap into noticing what's happening. It'll help you to build that skill. And just like if you go to the gym to work out a few times a week, if you can do mindfulness a few times a week, you'll start to notice your life shift. So, and I can attest, I get them every single day and I see Dr. Mallory Fox pop up in my texts and it literally is one of those check-in moments like who am I being? How am I doing? And and they're different every single day. You're really extremely thoughtful when you text us. I feel like you're talking to me. So literally don't wait. Text that number and you you will thank us later. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> awesome, Mal. It was so nice to chat with you. And we will see everyone on the next episode. Bye, thank everyone. You. We see this every time. But wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in with us. If you're looking for more, head over to girlsmentorship.com WTL for the show notes. And if you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one or all of the next three ways. One, by sharing this episode with a friend or on your social media. Two, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review. And three, by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. We share ideas, we ask questions. So if you're interested, we've linked our Instagram account as well as our exclusive community on Facebook in the show notes. Until next time, you guys, remember, the more you know, the better you do. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.